Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Yes, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. It's your boy, Trey Smith. And it's your boy, Brandon Holmes. Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time, a podcast for the fans, by the fans. I've been waiting all day to record this podcast. Actually, I've been waiting. If you would have called me last night at midnight and said, (laughs) B, let's record, I would have been ready because I have some some things to talk about today my friend well it's the it's the blue bloods crew uh shout out uncle fish we are also on the uncle blue fish. bloods fish report uh working with the different team sites shout out allhogs.com powered by sports illustrated the grove report all right b holmes i got a question for you all right by the time we finish recording this podcast, not not we have it posted up. I'm saying we're recording right now. By the time this thing's done recording, will Dan Mullen still be the head coach of Florida? Ooh, that's a good one. I think he at least makes it to Monday. <laughs> I think he at least makes it till tomorrow. I think he. I don't know. He'll, he'll at least make it to Monday. We we've been having these Sunday night breakdown, uh, uh, breaking news from whether it be Gary Patterson, whether it be Ed O. Like yeah. I just wondering if by the time we finish recording this, it'll probably be posted up, you know, later on on Sunday night. Most people will be watching it Monday Monday night, and then throughout the week. But right. I'm just curious: is he okay? So let me ask you this then: is he still have is is he still the head coach by the time people are actually listening and watching this episode? Yeah, I don't think Florida's going to do the we're going to release him early kind of thing. I think they okay. let him ride it out. We're at a week. We're going into week eleven. We have three. We have three weeks left. I think they let him ride the season out before they make any um, major decisions because they. I think Florida is smart enough to know let's wait, but they are already moving behind the scenes on 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 in on whoever they want to hire. Um, yeah, but I don't think they'll release the information in advance. No, I think he finishes the season out. I mean, you kind of have to be moving pretty quick nowadays with the early signing period, and that's why I just wonder how that might play yeah. out because it, it definitely appears that his seat is just – I mean, it's it's oh, it's already almost ashes at this point. It's so <laughs> it's on fire. It's okay, crispy. well, we had the first official release of the CFP rankings last week. Uh, you and I, mm-hmm. we did our reaction to that. Our reaction. Um, Blue Blood Fish Report. Go check out that video if you haven't already. That's a. That's not. We don't have a, a just an audio only version of that. That's exclusive video. So you have to go to Fish Sports YouTube to check that one out. But we reacted yes, to sir. that. 
then, I mean, then after Saturday, man, it kind of turned everything over on its head. So (laughs) what, what do you think when those rankings come out this week, what might that look like? What, What might that look like? And what are you expecting to see from the committee? Oh man! Well, first let's just let's just knock it out. the The top four is going to look different this week. Number three went down to Purdue, um, Michigan State. Little brother went down to Purdue. I have something to say about that later. Um, which wait, can before I go? Did I not say that? Did I not? Did I not say they were going to lose to Purdue? Oh, you said I that. said it. I said it. I said it. So I just wanted multiple put that times. So. In multiple, multiple ways. I felt text. I was very comfortable. Video chat, <laughs> phone call. I mean, I heard it. I heard it in all different kind of ways this week. Last all week. week, man, I felt it. So I think, um, I think naturally, what happens is I think obviously number one and two stay the same. I actually think Ohio State, um, they they're going to get pre- preferential treatment. They'll leapfrog Oregon and go to the number three slot. Um, I think Michigan. And OU will finish five and six. Um, I think they might put oh, I think best point last week's rankings and OU not playing and Michigan playing. Michigan probably is at five. OU's at six. Um, I think state drops down to probably like eight. I think Notre Dame moves up to seven, and then I actually, you know what? I think A and M probably moves into the top seven. Really? And it, it's rounded out. Yeah, I think AM moves into the top seven. So if I have to go, I say Georgia one, Bama two, Ohio State three, Oregon four, uh, Michigan, I mean, OU five, Michigan six, Cincy seven, because they should have lost that game to Tulsa. Um, mm. Then I'm going to say AM eight, Notre Dame nine, and then I, I'll leave uh, 10 at with Oklahoma State because I believe they won yesterday too. So that would be my top 10. I, I think it, it kind of rounds out that way. See, I, I feel like if they drop Cincy like that and bring OU up, it's almost like they're contradicting a criteria they already set out a week ago. And that's what mm. I'm actually curious to see is, will they be consistent with with the criteria or the precedents they've already set in setting these rankings? For example... If they leapfrog Oregon with Ohio State, that's a contradiction because they they made it very clear a week ago that the head-to-head matters as far as how they rank teams. True. And with Oregon True. winning that head-to-head with Ohio State, now I'm not saying that you're wrong and that the committee won't do that. I'm just curious, is what they did last week a true criteria, even though – we don't get to see the criteria. Like we don't get to hear those conversations. We don't get to know what all goes into that and what it all entails. However, if you just watch how the rankings are being set, you remember we were watching it right here on, on, on this, um, on this software. And I go, there's no way Ohio state gets ranked higher than Oregon because they've already set the, the, the criteria for that. So I think it would be difficult to justify leapfrogging, Cincy with OU coming out of a week where OU didn't play and Cincy won because you can make the argument, okay, Cincinnati played a weak opponent and almost lost. Well, it's not like that's the first time they've done that this season yet. They got way more respect a week ago than OU 
who also was barely winning games, but at least they're playing power five opponents. And True. at that point in time, they were the only nine and O team in the country yet. They were what? Four spots, uh, three spots. What were they? They were eight yeah. since he was six or two spots. Maybe they were two spots down. Cause Cincinnati was six last week. Cincinnati and then was OU six, yeah. was eight. Yep. So I don't see how you can, I don't feel like enough happened to really justify putting OU above Cincinnati. If I'm the committee, if I'm the committee trying to stay true to this criteria and format I've already put in place. Now, personally, I'd be all for that. I mean, personally, at this point, getting back to the point you made last week, oh, you should be in the top four. They're nine and oh, they're a power five team. Um, I don't think Oregon or Ohio State should be above them, but I have here on my list, I, I think that w- what the committee will probably do is keep Georgia Bama, who I, at this point, after Bama and that LSU game, which, I mean, I don't know that, obviously we talk about Yikes. it, LSU's got the dudes, it depends on what team's going to show up, and you knew they were going right. to show up for Bama. I'm hoping that same team doesn't show up for Arkansas next week, but I don't think you could even justify keeping Bama at number two. So I, in I theory, so. shouldn't the two nine and O teams, the two nine and O power five teams be the top two ranked and then figure it out from there. That's not what's going to happen, but that's what I think. I think what's going to be is going to be Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio state. Basically everybody moves up a spot. Cincinnati goes up to yeah. number five and then OU goes to number six. I don't think there's too much more fireworks outside of that. I do think AM could end up in the top 10 and I'll say this. So. And yes, I'm, I'm wearing the hoodie and I am very much a Homer, but Arkansas should be in the CFP top 25 based off what they put forth last week. If Mississippi yeah. state, if Mississippi state, who I need to look pretty sure I'm they were a three loss right team. They were a three loss team. They've lost four now after, after uh Saturday, yeah. right? They were five yeah. and three when the polls they were a five out. and yes. three, three loss team ranked number 17. Arkansas will be coming in six to this three. week's rankings, six and three with, I guess the only thing they have is one less, conference win than mississippi state but mississippi state also didn't have to play georgia so right (laughs) now i don't know how much they take that into consideration but arkansas did beat a&m arguably the hottest team in college football right now next to georgia oh no y'all didn't beat them y'all rolled them so but I guess Mississippi State beat them too, but then we beat Mississippi State. I, I just think that based off that criteria, Arkansas should be in the top 25. Now I'm not saying they should be up in the top 15 or anything. Just get us in the top 25. Right. And then... I think that'll happen. Can, can UTSA get some respect? I wanted to say that. I did not want us to get past this segment without showing love to UTSA. They should be ranked in the top 25 this week. If they're not, I think we have a problem. Um because I'm looking, so those who, so Fresno State lost, they're 23rd, so that should make room for them. Um, Minnesota lost, they were 20, so that should be able to make some room. Kentucky lost at 18, Mississippi State lost at 17. So there should be some movement happening, man. Um, I think UTSA should get some love. I mean, they're undefeated. 
they're playing great. They're what top fifteen in an S and P in scoring offense or defense. One of the two categories. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think they deserve a spot in the top twenty-five. Here's here's something I have to actually offer on this UTSA segment this week. I watched them uh, Saturday night. I mean, their game didn't you end. Did? It felt okay. like till like one in the morning, probably. It was midnight or yeah, something. It like so late. it was a crazy busy day for me. Um, writing some articles for allhogs.com. I actually had one I had to do for Longhorn Country. And so typically my Saturday yeah. routine now, which is like a major blur, is basically watch <laughs> the games I need to watch, write the articles, mm-hmm. you know, write the things I need to write in game. It was actually kind of cool. I got to do the live blog for the Razorback game this week, which was crazy. Yeah, Shout out to what you. a game. Shout out um, to you. But then you know, like you with Ole Miss, we do the videos. So you have to do the video recaps. And obviously there's a written piece that comes with that. Cause it's funny because people are asking me, Hey, do they send mm-hmm. those to y'all? And like, you just read them off. It's like, no, we, we write them <laughs> as we're watching the game. We create those. Well, then what I kind of do is I'll wind down and go, okay, what else do I need to have for Sunday morning? Cause usually we try to have like an article or two posted on Sunday morning. So what I did on Saturday was got the Texas Longhorn video recap, which I'll be talking about that game later, video recap Mm -hmm. in, wrote the article that I wanted posted on on Sunday morning, which actually, if you happen to be a Razorback fan or just a college, true college football fan, and you might remember Brandon Burlesworth, okay, the Burlesworth trophy, um, the movie Greater about him is on Netflix. Um, Really cool article. I was really fortunate to be able to be a part of writing that is now up on allhogs.com about his foundation that his brother started. Yeah. Uh, basically his brother like helped raise him. Uh, if you've watched the movie, you'd see that uh, helped raise him and, and started this foundation. And they have this thing called Burl's kids. And anyways, my cousin who lives up, shout out Toby who lives up in uh, uh, Northwest Arkansas mountain home. He, got to take the Burl's kids this week. So we were able to write, I was able to write a pretty cool, what I felt like was a pretty cool article that is up on all hogs mm-hmm. right now. If you're listening, go check that out. Allhogs.com. So I, I finished that Saturday night. By the time all that was done, I took a shower and all that. It's like midnight. Right. And so now I need to unwind right. before I can go to sleep. And I look and see that the UTSA game, I talked a long way around to get to this point, the UTSA game was in like the third quarter or something or coming out of half. So I don't know if it's because they're out on the West Coast. I don't know if maybe I was watching a replay and didn't realize it. I don't think I was, but I might have been. they had a late kickoff. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, they had a late kickoff. So I watched them for a whole half of football. Brandon, they've got some cats. Like, they've got some some dudes. dudes. And I know what it is. is. It's Jeff Trailer. He's going and finding all that speed. Because if you don't know East Texas, some people refer to it as Beast Texas, there is some speed. You'll find some two-star and three-star guys for whatever mm-hmm. reason that might be. A lot of times it's because some of those um, athletes and, and student athletes aren't able to get to all the camps, right? Right. Well, Jeff Trailer's right. like a legend out there. So he has all the inroads, and he knows if there's a dude that's got some speed that no one's looking at, they're at UTSA he's right now. Call. And finally being able to watch them play, I'm going, that team deserves to be in the top 25. Look, I, I'm not saying they're, oh, they're going to go beat Georgia or go beat Bama or whatever, but 
But one, to your point, they've won every game on their schedule. But watching them play, like they got some dudes. I would love to see UTSA get the group of five New Year's Six bid. But in order for that to happen, I think Cincinnati would have to lose to SMU. Well, in order for that to happen, UTSA would have to start getting some respect in the CFP polls, I guess. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'm... Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati's going to drop one, man. You keep playing with fire, eventually you're going you're going to lose a game, man. And they mm. have definitely been playing with fire the last couple weeks. So, I'm expecting them to drop one. I don't really know. Like I just pulled up their rest of their schedule. Who they have? They have um South Florida, they have SMU, and they have Eastern Carolina. Eastern Carolina, I've watched them play this year. They got a mm-hmm. good team, man. They got a really good team. SMU, I don't know, man. I watched SMU play yesterday, and I was so frustrated because I thought this was going to be a good bounce-back win for them against Memphis. And um, shout-out to Luke Croy, man, my former high school coach. Um, Luke, I know Coach Croy. SMU. You know Luke. You know Coach oh, Croy. Um, Worked with yeah, Luke. man, and, you know, yeah, Coach Croy, that's my guy. And so, you know, the, the, the secondary just looked undisciplined. It seemed like that loss that they took kind of just threw them off, so now they're on a two-game skid. So hopefully they can um, – kind of get get back into the swing of things, man. But I, w- I would love to see SMU, man. I mean, not SMU, UTSA. I, I would love to kind of see them get some respect because I think they can – I think they're highly underestimated and they can hang out, hang with a lot of – you know, not every team's Georgia. So – and not every team's Bama. And like we said, you know, this isn't even the premier of Bama teams. This defense has been pedestrian for Bama all year, what we've seen. But I think they can give – a lot of Power Five teams are run for their money. I'm not saying they're going to beat them, um, but I can, they can give a lot of teams a run for their money. Well, and and the last thing I'll say on that, and then we can move on. But if they were in theory to draw a New Year's Six game, chances are they would draw a team who probably had a lot of their roster like off preparing for the draft, not playing in the game, mm-hmm. maybe not taking it seriously, and then they're going to come in ready to roll. But Unfortunately, they'll probably go 12 and 0, I guess 13 and 0 with a conference championship and then get like the Bahamas Bowl or yeah. something or whatever it is. Um, it's going to be unfortunate, man. Or they're going to drop a game to UAB here in a couple weeks because every team I start gassing up on this podcast ends up losing <laughs> Wake Forest, Kentucky. Yeah. I mean Kentucky, bro. I don't don't even, I'm not even going to get going on that. I was I was all yeah. on the Kentucky hype train. You before were. they you got, were. before they you turned were. into before a hype train, you were. Now they've I'll dropped. That. I can't. I can't do three, it. Three, right? So they dropped three. <sighs> All right, bold. Well, bold slash pickums. Ugh. I don't even want to. I wish we could just skip this segment. Let me just get mine out yeah. of the way. Go ahead. Let go me just get it. mine out of the way. You have it. Because I'm not going to take long. Liberty plus nine and a half. Eh. Texas plus six and a half. Eh. Michigan State minus three. Eh. Kentucky plus one. Eh. You know, you know what I got? Actually, I did win one this week. You know what it was? It was the over was on Wisconsin Rutgers, which was at 37 and a half. And Wisconsin dropped like 52 on them. So that game almost <laughs> Wisconsin almost doubled themselves. <laughs> But yeah, no, they dominated them. But I, let me just touch on that Liberty real quick. Malik yeah. Willis, right? That's right. That's yep. uh, the quarterback. That's the quarterback. That dude was running for his life. It felt like the whole game. <laughs> um, 
Ole Miss yeah, did what they were supposed to do. Granted, Ole Miss let them hang around a little bit, um, but for the most part, the they did they what they're did, supposed. Yeah. To. Yes, but I don't really have much to say. Texas, I'm going to get to you in a second. Michigan State, <laughs> Kentucky. That's all I got. That's all you got. All right, man. Um, I actually redeemed myself by getting a dub. Um, so my first one I picked, I took a. The under for Iowa versus Northwestern, the under, which points were sitting at 14, 40 and a half, and the score was 17 to 12, which turned out to only be 29 points. So there you go. I knew it. Iowa has no offense. Northwestern has no offense. <laughs> and um, I didn't really see that going anywhere. Uh, I was, hey, I jumped on the Trey hype train. I took the money line for Wake Forest, and I'm sure we'll talk about them in a little bit uh, on that. And for a while, I looked like that was going to be my going to be you know gonna be a win for us didn't really go that way now this game man missed by four points i took the over on no it missed by like five points i took the over on army versus air force 37 and a half um and they ended with uh 31 35 excuse me so i missed by a field goal um and that was i was texting you during that game that was a very very underestimated good game it wasn't much mm. in the first half like they in the, they went to halftime zero to zero and i'm like oh i texted you i said man my over looks terrible right now and then like the last quarter in the half of that game was like so exciting because they're throwing the football air force is coming from behind i'm like cheering i'm like i didn't put anything <laughs> down on that game i just wanted to be right um so <laughs> i'm like yes let's Same. go and it came down to um Came down to the end, man. The Air Force uh, started at their own, like, 15. Get the ball down to the other 15, the Army's 15. Runs a – gets a uh, a chop, a legal chop block penalty. Takes them back 15 yards. Um, and so that ends up ending the game for them, man. And so I missed that. So I was one for two. I was really close, but close only matters in horseshoes. And <laughs> if almost were a stat, Michigan would have three titles by now. So um, mm. I was one – one for two. So that's how I went on my pickums this week. One for two. That's better than 0 for 4 last week. So I'll take it. I'm, I'm only up and up. Well, that makes one of us. So, well, who was your biggest surprise from uh, week 10? <sighs> biggest surprise. You know, <laughs> I've been going sigh. back and forth on this. <laughs> I've been going big. I've been going back and forth because one thing I was going to say, and I wasn't really surprised. I kind of knew it was coming. Um, but my biggest surprise, man, if if I'm being honest, was Nebraska again, man. For mm. a team that doesn't, like, that consistently loses yeah, in a heartbreak doesn't win fashion. <laughs> they, they play their behinds off, man. Like, yeah. they really play their I I would venture to say maybe Nebraska shouldn't fire Scott Frost. Like, I don't know if anybody else is going to come in and make it that much better. I, and I was reading Nebraska's like the only team they've lost four. They've lost four games. The four of their games they've lost have all been, it's only been by a combined 16 points. Oh, hold on. The last four it, games they've lost. And, and two of those teams are right now like potential playoff teams. Right. OU and, and Ohio one State. Is a, well, Oh no, and they got no Michigan too. They lost to Michigan by oh, three. So there's yeah, that's three potential. That's crazy. 
that's three put that's like when you look at it it's like if the ball kind of goes let I don't even say they don't even need the ball went their way a couple times if they don't shoot themselves in the foot in yes. two out of those three games this is a completely different Nebraska conversation we're having um yeah. and I'm just I'm like I'm watching them play Ohio State one I'm like wow they're making Ohio State look mortal right now which mm. I haven't been super high on them anyways but I was really surprised. Like for real, my bigger surprise was, man, these guys have only won three ball three ball games all year. Yet every week they come out and they give teams, they they have you on your seat. And so I also say, I'm like, it must have to be so hard being a Nebraska fan. Like seriously, because like for the la- this entire season, you've been that close. Like you've been, like I think the game this past weekend, if Adrian Martinez hits one guy like on a crossing route that was wide open. They they scored the touchdown. And I think they win that game. Mm. Um, so it's just so like the surprise in Nebraska. So it's one that's like how close they are, but also it's like how badly they continuously shoot themselves in the foot. Because the play that could have won the game for them, Martinez had just ran for like forty yards, puts yeah. them in. I mean, you got Ohio State on your heels. I'm like, oh, mm. if you convert here, I think you take the and you're you know you're at home. I think you take the life out of them. And he yeah. just they miss and then. They they lose by like six, I think, and their field goal kicker shanked two bad field goals. So mm. yeah, my biggest surprise is like Nebraska, man. They're I don't know if this is a, a consolation prize or not. They're the best three win team in the country. Like <laughs> they can flat out play football, man. They're they're not like a. I feel bad because I'm looking at them like they're a good team. They they act like their record doesn't. You know, you can only judge a team based upon wins and losses, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at them. I'm like, they shouldn't be a three-win team. They should at least – they should have six wins. They should be going to a bowl game this year. They're 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 good enough. I actually think they're probably the most talented team in the Big Ten West. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I I think I think they're the best – They sh- technically, they would, to me, are the best team in the Big Ten West if you take away records. Um, they just keep shooting themselves in the foot, man. And it hurt my feelings because I'm like, every week you guys are so close. And for real, their last four games, they lost by seven, three, three, and three. Um, mm-hmm. Or whatever they lost to Ohio State by. So it's it's literally probably like in the last five games, they've only lost by a combined of like 21 points, um, which is a small margin. So that was my biggest surprise, man. You know, Nebraska this season really kind of reminds me of some of the Arkansas teams of the Brett Bielema era where like we had a season where we lost to Bama by one because we fumbled literally walking into the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that same season we dropped, uh, you know, we, we be up big on A&M and then just give it to them in the last few possessions of the game, just doing stupid stuff, shooting ourselves in the foot and I just look at a couple of those seasons where, I mean, Bielema was literally like two or three plays away from being a mm-hmm. 10-win team and not a 7-6 and six team. Um, right. I mean, I remember one of those seasons we shut out Ole Miss and LSU in back-to-back games. And like one of those seasons was when Ole Miss beat Bama. Like they were a top, I want to say maybe five right. team when we played them. And so, but if earlier the, that season we were losing to – you know, games we shouldn't lose. Uh, like one season dropped one to UTEP and then dropped one to Texas Tech. And yeah, I, it's like they, they figure it out. And I, I just, but I get it. I, I, I can kind of relate to some of these Nebraska fans right now because they're literally just counting going, oh my goodness, we're one or two plays, three or four plays like away from being 
in in contention for a Big Ten title and possibly a CFP spot. So, yeah, my biggest surprise, uh, B. Holmes, was TCU. Man, um, they Ooh, upset Baylor. So yeah. I just Tasty knew pickup. one again, just to my whole the Trey Jinx. I'm on here wearing a Baylor 900 pound club shirt last week, hyping up Baylor, the Baylor you Bears. Were. Here they come, and then they go to Fort you Worth, were. and I think Baylor got caught in the trap. I think they looked at TCU as a team that was down this year, just fired their coach. Obviously, uh, we released our reaction video to Coach Patterson being dismissed last Sunday on Halloween night. Um, Go check that out if you haven't already. But we talked about who we think TCU should pursue for that job. But man, I just knew Baylor was going to come into Fort Worth, take care of business, and really set the table for a showdown between the Bears and OU next week. And they got caught in the trap. I think they got caught in the trap, and I think TCU played out of their mind. You know, sometimes the dismissing of a coach, like it can have one or two impacts on a team. It can unite everyone and, you know, all of a sudden give the team a late-season surge, or it can just collapse everything. And I guess I felt like with TCU and Gary Patterson – I thought him leaving was going to be going to be a, a, yeah, but they managed to come in. They beat Baylor 30 to 28 and man, I was really looking forward to the bears. OU game. Now I guess it, it's going to come down to Bedlam, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, it well, at, yeah, no, well, Baylor still has to play OU next week. Um, but, but that's so what I'm we'll saying. What but, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I'm just I'm looking at the Big Twelve and I'm going. I hear you. I think my point is is does Baylor stand a chance against OU now? I mean, they just got caught up in the trap. To me, I think that one, it wasn't like a guarantee whether they would win that game or not, anyways. But then two, there might be a little bit of they get beat two weeks in a row by TCU. Um because at this point, you've yeah. got OU 6-0, and Oak State. When is that game? I'm looking down on my phone right now. Oak State's got a, got a home game against TCU. Then they go to Texas Tech. God, just give me a 10-1, 11-0 Bedlam game. That's all I want. I would prefer this for point. them to lose earlier, in my opinion. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather Who, them OU? Lose earlier. Yes. If them jokers go undefeated, you know they're going to the playoff. And we know well, and I mean we we've talked about them. Caleb Williams makes them look a lot different. He makes them look better. Um, so maybe not. I, I I don't I don't know. I'm just tired of seeing them going to the playoff and getting mollywopped every year. <laughs> it's the the problem is you're probably gonna get a rematch of Bedlam in the Big Twelve Championship game if mm-hmm. Oklahoma State were to win. Assuming it plays yeah. out how it should play out, which is they're ten and one versus eleven and zero, then you have eleven and one versus eleven and one in the Big Twelve Championship. It's hard to beat a team two twice in the same season, two times in a row. Right. I have to say it's even harder to beat a team two weeks in a row. And, but I I just would love for Oak State to keep winning out 
and to win those games because then it's like you almost force the committee's hand to put a team that you know they don't want to see in the playoff, which is Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. We ready for overrated slash disappointment? Oh, yeah. You want to go first? Yep, I sure do. Because mine is the Texas Longhorns. Like, the oh, wheels gosh. have just fallen off. We did it again. I know I keep plugging all of our fish report videos, but that's what we're here to do. We did one on Sark, talked about that. The question we answered Mm -hmm. was, is he safe for another year? I kind of feel for Sark right now. I don't know if he's lost that team. I don't know if his team's just not very good. They're horrible up front. I mean, they're bad. I watched some of that because obviously had to do the video recap and all that. So I was watching that game, not really by choice. And yeah, just looking at him on the sideline, man, he he just looks miserable. And it really felt like he found something early in the season, particularly when they made the quarterback change after Arkansas and, and things kind of started mm-hmm. igniting. And then after that debacle, with OU, it's like they just haven't been able to get past that. And I'm not so sure he survives if a guy like Urban Meyer becomes available and wants that job. Now, that is literally the only exception that otherwise I think they go, hey, it's Sark's first year. Let's give him a chance to recruit his guys. Let's give him a chance to build his program. Mm -hmm. I know. I get it. I'm all for that. I, I mean, I'm an Arkansas fan. I've been through multiple coaching changes over the last decade. Like I understand, <laughs> like I know yeah. the drill. And the last thing you want to do as a fan is give up on your coach in their first year. I was the same way with Chad Morris. North Texas comes into Fayetteville and puts it on us. We go to Colorado State, lose um, in the same kind of fashion that that Texas is losing. And these aren't even conference opponents. These are, you know, right. group Power of five time. teams. And I'm going, no, no, he just has to recruit and build his team, recruit and build his team. And we saw how that worked out. And I'm just not so sure that Sark, time will tell if he's the guy for that job. And And when I say I'm not so sure if Sark's the guy for that job, it's not like a personal thing towards Sark. It's, It's more about the job. You know, I liken the head coach of the Texas Longhorns to being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Like, are you really in control of your program? Are you really in control of your organization with all the boosters and the donors and the expectations and this, this, and the fan base thinks they're going to win the championship every year. And then all of a sudden they get to this point, like, oh no, Sark's the guy. He just has to, it was the same thing with Herman. It was the same thing with Charlie Strong. Herman came in and it was like, They knee-jerked when he lost to, I think, Maryland in his first ever game. Then he wins a Sugar Bowl, and it's, we're back. And it's like, oh, everyone's all hyped. Everyone's (laughs) all hyped. You know, Herman was the offensive genius, the the, the giant slayer from Houston. We just got to give him a chance to recruit and get his system in. And then within a a couple years, they're already throwing the talent on him. And I'm looking at Sark going, my goodness, like, they may not be bowl eligible. They're, look, they should dominate oh, Kansas this upcoming week to get to five yep. wins. But then they have Kansas State and um, West Virginia. Is it West, West Virginia? Virginia? Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Those aren't guaranteed wins. They Don't get me wrong. Those are games they should win. 
Okay. But right. they're not guaranteed wins. And I think if they lose in similar fashion to how they've been losing, that's kind of what the big gripe is right now. I think the fan base is split. I think half the fan base is going, let's just cut our losses now and move on. This guy, I mean, we just keep giving really up these come it. from behind victories. And then I think the other half of the fan base is going, y'all are crazy. This is our guy. He has to come in and recruit and establish a culture and blah, 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 blah all that stuff. But here's the thing with Texas. This is my, Brandon, I said this earlier on one of our podcasts. When have they ever had a problem getting talent in? Whoever the coach is. Oh, never. They always have talent. It's they don't develop what they have. And so right now, you can't blame their offensive line and their defensive line struggles on recruiting. Without even having done the research or looked, I guarantee you their offense and defensive line is full of four stars and possibly five stars. I guarantee it. Oh, for sure. So you can't blame that on recruiting. You have to blame that on developing. Now, the developing piece, that's not on Sark. He just got there, right? Right. But the point I'm trying to make is, is the developmental process all on the head coach's fault? Are there other entities surrounding and influencing the program that could be causing a hindrance to the development of the players Mm. in the coach's program point point made right here like like here's my here's here's my comparison getting back to the cowboys when everyone knows the head coach is not in control like i read the book i got on this book bookshelf behind me boys will be boys they talk about um a very famous player I'm not going to say his name because you got to go read the book, but a very famous player who we all know, who you and I have even talked Mm -hmm. about on this podcast before, like Barry Switzer would come in and say when the team meeting was the next morning and he'd go, oh, that ain't going to work for me. And he'd say, I'm going to call extension. And I don't remember what the extension was, but it was basically the extension (laughs) right to Jerry Jones's office. So then they would change the meeting time. And so my point is, are some of these other factors influencing the program that you know, guys are being pampered or maybe guys are being told or whatever. They're getting in the, the the player's ear where maybe like it's their own, um, you know, because at some point as a player, if you're going to develop, like you can't blame the program on your lack of development. Like on some point, that's a personal choice. Like, would you agree? Yeah. And so yeah, I'm I think wondering, so, man. I, go ahead. No, I think, um, this thought came to my mind as you were talking about this with Sark. I think he is a great offensive-minded guy. But then I'm going to say, is he really who we think, who the media thought he was? I mean, he's coming from Alabama. He's coming from a machine. Bama, Nick Saban has that thing humming and rolling. That's why he can yep. replace with a new OC every other year, and those boys are still going to put points up. And so yep. my question is, when it comes to Sark, no, and this is no shade towards Shark, Sark, I'm like, but is he really the leader that we think he is? Is he really the offensive genius that we think he is? Because, because he came from Bama, man. Like in Bama, yeah. it's like, it's like, man, playing with, you know, it's like you you play on NCAA and you raise everybody up to 99. That <laughs> offense that he that he was like coaching with Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith and. Najee Harris, like all those, those are three first round, Mac Jones, those are four first round draft picks yeah. in, in key spots. Like, I, 
You know, like what play, so that's, that's what play can you call with that personnel that doesn't have a chance to be successful? Right. Devontae Smith was like a bona, bona fide touchdown almost every time he touched the football last year. Yep. So I, I, I'm, I, if I'm Texas and this is what I'm doing, like you, you said Urban Meyer would be the only name you would give up. Um, I, I would challenge that. No one would probably think this. But I've watched this guy. I've watched this guy for years. I think he's very well due for a big call-up. I would call Jeff Brom from Purdue. Hmm. The guy's an offensive genius. He does more with less every year. Look at his record against top five teams. He's a culture guy because his team plays up every time. When they play somebody that they should not be in the game with, they play them tight. Um, I mean, I look back at what 2017 when they beat number one Ohio State with Rondell Moore. Like, he he does more with less. He's an offensive guru. Uh, I would, if I'm Texas, I'm 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 kind of looking around, and if yeah, might not get the home run higher of Urban, but I go get a guy like Jeff Brom who has, um, like I you know he played quarterback in XFL, and I saw this clip of mm-hmm. him the other day when they were like, "You took a big yeah. hit. I can't believe you're playing." And he was like, "You know, is there football playing? Yes." Do I have a heartbeat? Yes. Like that's, I saw that. I said, that's a guy I would play for. Like you, cause if you coach at Texas, either you have to be the politician like Mac Brown, which Mac Brown is very, Hey buddy, shake hands, kiss babies, team guy. Or you got to have a guy like Jeff Brom. Who's like, you know what? Like I am who I am. You guys, I'm going to come win. You kind of got to put some respect on my name and watch what I do. Like either you're going to play the booster game or you're just not going to be phased by it. And I don't know if Sark is the type of guy that can handle all of that. Okay. I disagree with not what you said about Jeff Brom, but that what you implied about the Texas job. Because the reason why I don't think Jeff Brom works at Texas is because he won't play the political game. And I think Texas true. has turned itself into a program where if you want to be the head coach at the University of Texas, you have to play it. You have to. To me, Jeff Brom at Texas is Luke Fickle at USC. It's mm. He ain't going to yeah. do it. Jeff yeah. Brom is not going to do that. Like That is one thing <laughs> that guy want to do. He's not going to go brown nose a bunch of boosters and, and yeah. play that whole political That's game. True. He's not a Texas guy. He's not a Texas boy. He's... Uh, Gosh, I think he may be from Kentucky. Um, He's a Midwest You know, Jeff Brom is kind of like, I love Jeff Brom because Jeff Brom is is Bobby Petrino without the drama. Like, that's how I view him. May not be as much of a genius and play caller of what Petrino was in his, like, prime, but, he, you know, he might be. I don't know. Jeff Brom will find great success somewhere. Who knows? One of these other jobs that pops up um, coming around the way might be might be for him. I really feel like Texas, like they're only the only way Sark is gone is if Urban Meyer comes available. And like Urban Meyer is one of those guys that can do both. He can play the mm-hmm. political game because he's got the skins on the wall to where he can just still kind of be who he is, but Mm -hmm. still make it work. I just, I would be worried about Jeff Brom at Texas because 
I think he would be fighting with all the powers that be nonstop <laughs> to a point to where it takes him out of his element and what he does best as a best as a coach. I don't think he wouldn't be successful there because of his coaching ability. I just don't think he would be a good mm-hmm. fit there because of what Texas that job has become. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I agree with that. Okay. I, I, I'm off. I'm off the soapbox. What was your no, overrated good. disappointment for the weekend? Well, man, since we're talking about my boy Jeff Brown, man, my overrated. I have not done one of those in weeks. I've done disappointments. I'm telling you, I said it. I said it. I said it. I said it. Even after we lost, don't want to hear it. Don't want to say you're just saying this because you lost. Nope. I said it. Michigan State is overrated overrated i have not stopped thinking about us playing those guys right i went back and watched the game trey kenneth walker scores on like four plays those are the four plays that make the difference and they rob us of the touchdown which the big 10 comes out and apologized about right hey we botched that call whatever fine but all week i kept telling you i said man i think Purdue is going to pull the upset this week. You and did. it wasn't because I was upset. It's I've, I've watched enough of Jeff Brom and Purdue to know. And I had watched him twice earlier this year. And David Bell, because he doesn't play for a big-time program, most people haven't heard of him. But NFL scouts know about this guy. He's the best receiver in the Big Ten. Some people are going to probably say Chris Alave out of Ohio State. It's David Bell. Go put on the tape. Put on the mm. tape. The kid's a bonafide baller. He's a junior this year. He probably goes to the league. I don't see him staying around much longer. But this is what I knew about Michigan State. Not saying they're not a good team. I'm, I give Mel Tucker credit. Mel Tucker has squeezed the lemon. He, he gets every ounce out of them. But the thing I knew about Michigan State was that back, that back end of their defense is atrocious. It is mm. atrocious. And what I knew after watching the week before when we played them, if some of those, if just one of those field goals turns into a touchdown or Blake doesn't drop that ball, the game's over early. Like, the the game's over early. So I knew, and just because I watched, when I watched Jeff play, when I watched Purdue, excuse me, let me give everybody credit. When I watched Purdue play Iowa, they put it on Iowa. It was bad. They had the game plan that exposed them. And I knew they had the quarterback. I knew they had the pieces. I knew they didn't have a run game, which was fine because Michigan State's run game is great. But Purdue had the kryptonite for Michigan State's um, weakest part of their game, which is their back end, um, their back end of their of their defense. And I and I said this last week, I don't think Peyton Thorne's that good. He just happened to hit a miraculous, you know, the play he beat us with. I give him kudos for that. He threw a perfect ball in a perfect spot. Nothing you can do with that. But I didn't mm. think he was that good. I tweeted it. Follow me on Twitter, Real B. Holmes. I said, Michigan State's offense is all Kenneth Walker. If you can somehow contain Kenneth Walker, you're going to win the game. So, mm. back to my point. Michigan State is overrated. I, I love the feel-good story of the season. So what? They beat Michigan. Don't really care. It happens. Sometimes your little brother gets you two games. It's going to happen. Mel Tucker's not going to be there at the end of the year anyways. But this is what we're about to see, Trey. Now they go play Maryland next week. They go play Maryland. They should win that game. They should win that mm-hmm. game. Maryland's having a down year. Then you have to play Ohio State. That's their next game after Maryland. So in two weeks they play Ohio State. What is Ohio State's greatest 
part of their team. They they have the best receiving core in the nation. Yes. They have the best. Garrett Wilson didn't even play this way, and Najiba Smith out of Rockwall, Texas, balled out. Balled Mm. out. 15 for like 150 yards. Mm. So I'm looking at Alave, Wilson, Smith, and then whoever else is there like that that's playing. Matter of fact, Williams for Alabama was there last year, and he transferred because he couldn't get on the field because of uh, a Smith. So mm. they have the best. They have the best receiving core in the country. Michigan State's going to probably lose that game unless C.J. Stroud just chokes. But you don't have to when you got that. I don't even know if they beat Penn State. Penn State's humming a little bit. They you know they've lost two games, so people aren't talking about them as much. But Sean Clifford, Jahan Dotson. He's mm-hmm. he's he's like David Bell. He can put so I mean it's still a win for Michigan State if they finish the season. What this will put them at nine and if they win nine and three? Nine and three, that's that's good, right? That's good. Yeah. That's that's a that's that's great for Michigan State. That's great. You know, I think Michigan State thinks they're like elite because of their D'Antonio years. They're not. You've had a few couple good years and you know, hey, you get to ride that train. But I think they're overrated. I've said it all year. I like Mel Tucker. I think Mel Tucker has squeezed the lemon. Mel Tucker's gotten everything out of those boys. And dare I say, I'm going to say this this kind of affected them. They hear the national media talking about Mel Tucker. He's the hottest mm-hmm. coach in the – Trey, listen to me. Mel don't got to win no more games. None. No, no more. He's the hottest name in America right now. He has to win no more games. As, if he just beats Maryland and drops the final two, people are going to look at that 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 roster and say, you weren't even supposed to win nine games, Mel. If he wins mm. ten, you're not. You were supposed to win. Vegas predicted them to win like four games this year. So if Mel Tucker wins nine games, he's gone. Michigan State goes back to normal. But I've been waiting to talk about that all day. I've been waiting to talk about that since yesterday. I called it. I said Purdue was going to beat them because I believe they're overrated. And I think I was proven right, man. Hey, I got something for you. What's that? I'm looking at right here. So. The old saying, history repeats itself, right? Mm-hmm. So, Mel Tucker's, one of his mentors, and let me make sure I get this stat completely correct. Um, Nick Saban, the year he left Michigan State, Mm-hmm. To take the LSU, LSU job. job. Yep. You know how many games Michigan State won in the regular season? Probably nine. Bingo. Nine. So, in fact, I was what I was was taking me a second there was I was trying to check uh, if that was one of the seasons that Mel Tucker Mel Tucker was a GA on that staff, but it was the two seasons before that. But it was the '99 Michigan State Spartans, Plaxico Burris was uh the star receiver they went nine and two and then Saban bolted for LSU did not coach the bowl game they ended up winning the bowl game to go uh 10 and two but yeah I mean I think you're on to something here I think Mel Tucker goes nine and three this season and that LSU job is open we could see history repeating itself in some some way shape or form all right um let's go true minute okay um I'm looking forward to true minute drill those of you that have been listening, you know the drill. Uh, start on the whistle, end on the buzzer. Um, this week, B. Holmes, for the true minute drill, we've got 
uh, we got college hoops officially starting this week. So yes, sir. For the true minute drill, and this is man, I I'm thrilled about this. But for the true minute drill, man, it's you have one minute to just sound off on the upcoming college basketball season. So mm. that's it. Um, you let me know who you want to go first. If you want me to go, so you can think a little week. bit. Yeah, go. You sound ready. This is the the episode of Trey's first. <laughs> I am ready. So let me let me get this. Let me get the clock queued up. And true minute drill intro. Here we go. Start on the whistle. End on the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have been waiting. I have been waiting for this time, particularly as an Arkansas Razorback fan coming off a season where we finished in the Elite Eight. We've reloaded our stable. We've got dudes red, dudes upon dudes upon dudes. We got Coach Eric Musselman. One of the things that's like the cherry on top is that I have the privilege of covering for all hogs powered by Sports Illustrated, the Razorback basketball team this year. My first basketball-related article, which went up late Friday night, was about Waka Flocka Flame was in the house. He was attending practice. I wrote a little article about it. I didn't think it was really that newsworthy, but I thought it was really cool. I love the hogs. I saw Waka. I thought, hey, someone might get a kick out of this. Well, Eric Musselman, Coach Eric Musselman, who is the most active coach on social media, retweeted that article and it went crazy. So that got me even more fired up. And here we go. The buzzer's about to sound. Yes, sir. I'm ready for some college hoops. I don't know if he's more active than Jawan Howard on Twitter. Jawan's active. No, he is. I guarantee it. Because he posts, he well, he actually keeps track of it. So he'll he'll okay. post the most engagements of all college coaches in the country, hmm. and he's always at the Impressive. top. Impressive. But maybe Jawan Howard will get him one of these. Who knows? Hey. All right, B Holmes. Here we Let's go. Rock. True minute drill. Start on the whistle. End on the buzzer. Listen, this is episode 11. If you haven't known by now, your boy is a big Michigan Wolverines fan. I'm a football, basketball, women's soccer, women's gymnastics, men's tennis. It doesn't matter what we play. I'm celebrating. This year, this is Jawan Howard, man, at Michigan. I believe this is year three. Man, we have a deep squad. Four of the guys on our bench could go start for any Big Ten program right now. I like Hunter Dickinson, the parade All-American at center. I like Caleb Houston, who just won, I think, bronze in the world games with Canada, who's NBA-ready right now. I like Beyonce, the guy with the freshman five-star center who's coming off giving big minutes off the bench. Devontae Jones, the transfer for Coastal Carolina. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I we have – um. Brandon Johns. I mean, the team is deep this year. I think this is a Final Four type of team. They have veteran experience. They have talent. They can go nine deep on the bench. Everyone's talking about Gonzaga. Everyone's talking about Shet Holgram. But I believe Michigan is going to be the team to watch this year. And Jawan will have those boys ready. I'm ready to watch some hoops. Let's go. Let's go. Well, the season officially gets kicked off Tuesday night. Arkansas has got Mercer. Um, be tuned to allhogs.com. I'll have the, uh, 
I'll have something about that game. I don't know what it is yet, but I'll have some 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 article. I'm about to about call it. the the Michigan affiliate. They need to put me on. Let's get it. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's holler let's at them. It. That's that's <laughs> our next step. I, I need them right. to give me an Ann Arbor. Socials. You see the Twitters right here. I'm at it's Trey Smith. He's at Real B Holmes. Uh, at Blue Blood CGT on Insta and TikTok. I think between the two, we're at like ten thousand followers. That's it, be home. Definitely. No, we're over 10. Yeah, we're yeah, we're up there now. Um, that's it this week, man. So as always, guys, enjoy your wins. Sulk in your losses. Week 11 is upon us. We'll see you guys. Make sure you stay up with us. Shout out to Uncle Fish. Stay up with us on Fish Sports. Subscribe yes, on YouTube. We drop fresh content daily on Fish Sports. Oh, and big thing, man, we drop our live reaction to the CFP playoff rankings on Tuesday, and that is going to be exciting after this big week of college football. So make sure you do that. Subscribe to Fish Sports. Shout out Uncle Fish. We love you. We yes, appreciate sir. you and everyone else. To all our blue bloods, we love you guys. Have a great week. Take care. Peace. I love college. Hey. College football. Hey. I love March Madness. Hey. Man, I love college.